Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulted Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulted Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now listen, if you've been following the journey of the Catapulted Commission show, we have been following me for the past two years or so, and I always start the show uh, with one telling you how excited I am to have our guest. And today's no different. But what's really unique about today's guest is three months ago, if you follow the blog that we put out or you followed my post on LinkedIn, I put the uh, right around the holidays, I was the ninth day of sales enablement. So we did like a, a little spin on the 12 days of Christmas. I listed my nine favorite sales podcasts. And one of those podcasts was the sales enablement podcast with Andy Paul. And if you've followed that process, you listen to the show, then you know how much of a badass Andy is. That's who our guest is. I don't even know how to explain, man. I'm super excited to have Andy Paul with me on the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about his book, Sell Without Selling Out, which recently hit a bestseller on Amazon. Andy has multiple books that have gone on to be incredibly successful. Unique thing about Andy, he's been in the sales industry uh, for quite some time, and he is a top 10 uh, LinkedIn in their top 50 global sales experts to follow. So he is, definitely knows his stuff. Andy, welcome to the Catapulting Commission show. Anthony, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you here. So let, let, let's just jump into this, Andy. You've, sure. been, doing, you've been doing sales uh, and sales enablement, sales leadership in some capacity for, a, yeah, let's just say a significant amount of time. I don't want to age you, but for, for quite some time. There is this, you know, there is this trend right now that salespeople are at a pivotal point where the consumers that we speak to have more information now than ever. And the, the sales training that I start that I took 20 years ago, I don't think would be applicable to today's consumer. Can you, can you talk a little about the, the process, the sales process of what has changed and evolved on how sales are uh, sales reps are succeeding now versus 20 years ago, 10 years ago and so forth. You know, actually, I think it's largely the same that, okay. that helps them be successful. Yeah. I mean, buyers certainly have way more information to way more access to way more information, but what do they need salespeople for? Mm. Right. So I don't think that's changed. So what they need salespeople for is to help them make a good decision, right? Is they look for salespeople for you know, a different perspective about perhaps the problem they're trying to address, or maybe the outcomes they potentially could achieve. You know, they're looking for, you know, a perspective, an insight, something that they haven't thought about themselves, right? And so if your salesperson doesn't have that or isn't able to help the buyer in that dimension, then you're no better than a website, in which case they don't need you. But if you can be available to them to, you know, help them in the dimensions I just talked about, that does a couple of things. One is that it creates a, a differentiated buying experience for the customer, right? Because suddenly, oh, wow, I invested some time in Anthony and I got some real value out of that. 
So I'm looking now at products, let's say the buyer is saying, yeah, I'm looking for a software product and oh my gosh, there's 10 vendors, the products all look the same. How do I choose? Wow, but that my experience with Anthony was really different. Yeah, he was better. He really understood what we were trying to accomplish. He really helped us think deeply, more deeply about this problem. We have uncovered some I you know, thought that we hadn't really thought about before. We're gonna go with Anthony. It's always been that way, right? As sellers, you've always had the imperative be able to help the buyer in this dimension. I just think it's more acute now than ever, the need on the part of the buyers. So if you're able to be a seller who can who can do that, you're gonna be in good shape. You know, I agree with that. You your salesperson is developing a, a complete relationship. Um, and they make the experience from the very first interaction to a discovery to closing to following up. I, I guess where where I was going with my questioning, uh 20 years ago, the very first book I read in sales was Zig Ziglar's Secrets to Closing the Sale. Mm -hmm. Read it, had a bunch of talk tracks, and I was working in door-to-door -door sales and had spent six years there and, and was I had a really successful career. But I remember like trying out some of these new salesy closes, right? Like these, these salesies approaches that would close. And I'd be like so excited when one would work, when one wouldn't work. It was like beta testing at such a such a young age. I would I would be caught dead doing that right now. Like I, 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 I agree with you in the experience right now. Uh, but I guess my question is, is, is where do salespeople, how do they take that salesy approach out of sales? Right. I mean, you and I are just two guys having a conversation right now. Um, I, there's something about this sales mentality where people have this, uh, and I don't want to use the phrase because there's a sales influencer that's trademarked, but this, let's just call it a high aggressive, salesy closing tactics. Oh, I want that, to hear the phrase that somebody trademarked. What was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the hardcore closer, right? Uh, so such right. bullshit. They think <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Right. So does that even exist? Like how do we continue? How do we be successful without being salesy? Or how do you stop being so salesy in these approaches? <laughs> well, it's a great question because you have you have to make a choice as an individual. You talked about, you know, you were out experimenting with different things. Correct. And and this is a part I think gets lost oftentimes in sales is these days. I think one of the things that has changed is that there's a greater insistence on the part of many sales managers about conformity, right? This is our process. This is our playbook. This is how we do things. These are the questions we ask. And I don't want you to freelance. I don't want you to experiment. I want you to do this process because you're just an interchangeable cog in a machine. Mm. Well, that's not how we get into sales, right? We Sales is a, a creative process. Sales is something that way for you to express yourself. And so sellers need to be given this autonomy to experiment and sell in a way that's more aligned with who they are as humans. And when, you know, the biggest single response we get from the book from hundreds of people so far on, on the book that's only been out for a month is that, oh, you mean I can sell as a human being? I feel validated by that because I just this is what I want to do. But I feel pressured to act salesy, right? So you have a choice as an individual. I mean, that's a choice I made in my career. It's just not going to do it. I was forced to do it on many occasions and I hated it. And you reach point where you just say, no, I mean, and, and so I just, last point on that is that as seller, you have a choice you can either you know, describe it in the book is you can either push back and say, you know what, my manager, I don't think that's going to work for me. I think there's a better way. I think I can do better doing something a little bit different. This is what I propose to do. 
hey, hold me accountable for results, but give me the freedom to try this. And if you can't get that freedom, go somewhere else. Well, definitely go somewhere else if you can't get that freedom. And and I love how you said it, right? We've all, there's an experiment to it. And I tell the salespeople and Catapulted Commission's family, you hear me tell this often, right? The best sales strategy is the one that's the most authentic and and organic to you, right? If you're an introverted person, an extroverted person, whatever it is, just, just continue to do what does, what is natural and authentic to you. Um, so I, I love, I love how you approach that. Cause, uh, you know, not everyone's going to sell the way, you know, somebody else sells. We all have our own individual styles. Right. But you think about it is, is these obsolete salesy behaviors, you know, the pushy, persuasive, manipulative, you know, techniques that people are taught that buyers instinctively resist. And that most salespeople hate doing, not all, but most, is we could make a decision as a profession around the world today. We're going to go cold turkey on salesy. We're going to stop. And Find the truth, me up. And the truth is, no one, no one would be worse off for it. We just stop. And this is the part that, that you know, it's just people would welcome it. The buyers would welcome it. The sellers would welcome it. I mean, in my book, I write about this. And this is a question I've asked for audiences for years to say, you know, a question a buyer will never ask you, which is, Hey, Anthony, I really like your product. In fact, I'd like to buy your product, but I I don't think I can because you're just not salesy enough. So Anthony, could you be more salesy? (laughs) I mean, a buyer would never ask that. They don't want you to be salesy. It has nothing. It doesn't benefit them in the least. And so if being salesy doesn't benefit the buyer. It doesn't benefit you as a seller. So just stop. Yeah, it makes complete sense, right? We bring that human connection back to the sales process and, and not view uh, the, this, this transactional mentality of sales as such 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 a bad thing for our industry like sure i i own that i'm a salesperson like i don't hide it this is what right. i do exactly and i love it so right and that's the point that you know so many people i just had this conversation done last week is people are we don't hide it you know i'm an account executive i'm an account manager i'm a you know say i'm a consultant i'm a you know there's all these titles i try it. just your sales just put yeah. sales on your business because you are because who do you think you're fooling when you put those other titles on? Do you, do you think the customer's under some illusion that, oh, well, they're not a salesperson. They're an account executive. <laughs> no, you're in sales and they know it. So own it. Be proud yeah. of it. I love it. I love that. So, so, so Andy, let me ask you this, right? Sure. The, the book right now, Sell Without Selling Out, available right now, all your book markets, Catapulted Commissions Family, put a link to, to Andy's website as well as the book. But where did the premise from for this come from like what point did you say okay this is the this is the new book that i'm bringing to market what was the idea behind it a couple things one is the motivation for writing the book came from the fact that my observations and observations many others i think is that as sales we're just not getting better (laughs) and so we have the advantages of all this technology and that's available to us and yet we're performing at lower levels than we have been historically so why is that and, and my belief is, is again, that we've leaned too far into this idea of salesy or what I call selling out behaviors, traditional obsolete sales behaviors. And, and it's, you know, we had a real, we've had an opportunity over the past 
10, 15 years, we bring all this new technology into sales is to, and, and marketing is to say, look, let's reset how we engage with our buyers. Let's reset how we align our selling processes with our buyer's buying process. But we haven't done that. Instead, what we've done is we've taken these <laughs> sales behaviors from last century and we've automated them and we've amplified them through automation. And as a result, the buying experience with us is worse than it's ever been. So mm. the fact we're not getting better was part of the motivation. And the second then was, okay, if that's the problem, what's the solution? And through my own experience and through research and through work with huge number of salespeople, yeah, you know, I just sort of summarized what those were. And so the opposite of selling out is selling in. And it's based upon human attributes that we can, that we all are wired to do. You know, unlike salesy, which is learned behavior, you know, no one pops mm -hmm. out <laughs> and begins life as <laughs> a manipulative <laughs> salesy, pushy salesperson. And so I describe as four pillars of selling in. That's connection, curiosity, understanding, and generosity. And we're all, we're wired to connect, right? As humans, we are wired. We are evolved from sort of our existence as tribal beings. Uh, you know, we know that we have to coexist and work together. So we're wired to connect. And if we establish this connection, then we can start building some trust. We're wired. The next one is curiosity. We're wired to be curious, right? How do we as human beings learn anything? You know, when, from the day we're born and we're starting to navigate this unfamiliar world around us, how do we do that? It's not through knowledge bestowed upon us. It's, it's our curiosity. So our curiosity then is our gateway to understanding. And understanding is critical. We're wired to want to understand the world around us, right? To make sense of it. And this is how we have empathy for other people, through our understanding of them. And it's through this understanding then that we want to give to help people achieve things. So giving makes us feel good. We're wired to give. So these are innate human attributes. And what they do is together, they shape a buying experience for the buyer that's positive, as opposed to the negative one they're experiencing with people that sell out. And then you have the opportunity to become the difference, to become the reason why the buyer buys from you. Because when people are being salesy, it's not like, it's not like they don't ever sell anything. But in that environment, the buyer is making the decision to buy from you despite you, not because of you. Mm. And you want people to buy from you because of you. You know, th that approach, and, and I love I love the four pillars that you mentioned in the book, right? So it's uh, connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity. Mm -hmm. With all honesty, Andy, I mean, that there, take the word sales out. That's just human connection. That's just a conversation to, mm -hmm. to be someone's friend, to be someone's colleague. I look at my relationship with my wife and I'm like, mm -hmm. connection, sure. curiosity understanding man i mean that's that that is the relationship we had now i'm not going to marry my customers but <laughs> but it does it does create a framework to say let's we're, we're human right, the, right. The, the person you're presenting in front of they know you're a sale like they know what you're there for there's it's no, no secret what you're here to nope. talk to me about it's no not secret that you want to buy something you want to sell me something there's no secret that you, you you're probably going to get paid a little commission off what you sell. I get that. Let's just create an entire experience. So I, I love that concept concept from the book of bringing the human element back to the world uh, that you and I both love, which is sales and creating that, uh, you know, 
the the customer you create from that process, I imagine becomes a customer for life, either repeat business or referred business. Much more likely because the opposite is being transactional. Mm. And again, it's not like you'll never sell anything if you're just purely a transactional salesperson, but right. You're not building that connection, that relationship, that sort of enduring uh, business relationship that you want. Okay. All right. So, so let me ask you, uh, you know, kind of a follow-up on this framework, sure. right? We talk about a four-part framework. We talk about uh, developing a, a more intimate connection with your, with your prospect. How do you, how do you execute that when let's just say our prospects now, their attention span is quicker. Their demand for information is faster. The, the, there may have such a horrible experience from a previous sales experience that mm-hmm. they are, may not have an open arms. They may not be receptive to this strategy. How does that work? Well, <laughs> all those things could be true, right? Mm-hmm. But think about why does, why does, why does a buyer want to talk to a seller? Well, they don't well, typically, right? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, research firms, analyst firms called research over you know, during the middle of the pandemic. Oh, buyers don't want to talk to salespeople anymore. And I'm thinking, so what? They've never wanted to talk to salespeople, right? If you can't bring something to the table that is worth the buyer's time and attention, they've never had time for you. This is not new. So it's the same imperative exists. Buyers talk to you when they need your help. Mm. That's when they decide, I'm going to invest my time and attention in Anthony. Now I'll continue to do that as long as he is helping me make progress toward making a decision. But when that stops, then I'll probably stop talking to Anthony because yeah, I've, I've made this bargain with you implicitly as a buyer, which is I'm going to invest my time and attention in you. So I make an investment. What do I want? I want a return on that investment. So the return comes in the form of value. Okay. But value in sales is a really simple definition. I talk about this in the book. And the value just equals progress. Meaning, as a result of me giving you some of my time and attention, right? A sales interaction of any sort. At the end of that interaction, am I closer to making a decision than I was before it? Mm. And if I'm not, it had no value for me. You so know, this I- is... Well, I was just going to say, this is a framework the sellers need to have in mind when they're planning every interaction. Because every interaction you have with the buyer, considering how few you actually get, has to be the best it can be. And the best it can be means you have to be intentional about understanding what does the buyer need from me today to move closer to making a decision? And as a result of me giving that to them, what steps are they going to commit to take? So as a seller, you need to look at what you consider your qualified opportunities in your pipeline. You need to be able to answer that, those two questions about each of them. If you can't, you're not ready to have another interaction with them. You need to go back and, and ask some more questions. Make sure you really understand what's, what's happening, what's required. Yeah. It, it's, it, it goes to show something that the sales process that we go through, right? Whether we are in a short sales process or I think of the long enterprise sales mm-hmm. process in the mm-hmm. B2B world, you, you, you mentioned something that I love, value equals progress. And 
it it goes, you know, everyone talks about, you know, the value, how high or how much, uh, how my product or service can solve your problem, right? I, I get that higher value, higher price. We, we've heard all the analogies, but I've never heard it said is value equals progress. So I, I look, I look at my, the complexities of some of the sales I had in, in B2B and in, in mm-hmm. corporate America at the time where I'm like, man, it's, this is a long cycle for sure. me to get somebody to say yes. And so your approach there makes it say, okay, I'm going to bring something of progress each time to the table. Cause if not in these multi-call sales cycles, I'm not going to get anything. Like it's yeah, going to, I mean, how many times will a buyer continue to give you their time if they're getting no value from it? Right. If, if conversations with you don't help me move closer to achieving my goal, then why am I going to continue to give you time? You know, from the buyer's perspective, you think about, it. so when a buyer sets out to make a purchase decision, what's their goal? Right. And so when you ask sellers, they'll go, well, you know, they're trying to solve a business problem. I said, no, no, no. What's the goal of the process they're going to go through to make a decision? So the goal of that process is because what you're doing, especially in enterprise sales or any company that has you know, some number of employees, mm-hmm. there's multiple stakeholders involved in making that decision, right? Buying committee and so on. Now, what you can do is you're going to take those people away from the jobs they're getting paid to do to put them on, make them part of this team that's going to make this decision. So what do, what do people want to do in that environment? Well, they want to quickly gather and make sense of the information they need to make an informed decision with the least possible investment of their time and attention. That's what the buyers want. Help me get this job done, this job of making a decision. Mm. And so this is where this progress becomes such an imperative as if, if they're investing their time and attention to you and you're not helping them make progress toward achieving that goal of making a decision, they don't have time for it anymore. Why would you? And we all make that decision on various aspects of our lives. We talk to people that just yeah, aren't able to help us get where we're trying to go. Don't have time for them anymore. It's, I look at my own time, right? Every time, what you're saying there hits so hard, Andy, I just think about a client I was speaking to the other day who had this reviewing their sales pitch. And I said, would that work on you? It was just 100%. Mm-hmm. If, would that work on you? Would your quote unquote, newfound research sales pitch. If would that work on you? If you're think about it, you can, my client was like, no. And I, and I always look at what you just said right now is, is how much time I'm going to get. If you're wasting my time, how much time is a salesperson going to get? If you're wasting my time, how much time are you going to get? If you don't understand the problem I'm trying to solve, which mm-hmm. if I'm on that committee, that value analysis committee, the product committee, whatever industry, you're in, there's a committee that's deciding, yes, we want to bring this in or no, we don't want to bring this in. As the seller, if you know that you have, you can accelerate that process and make it simple and tactical, um, I, I think there's a lot of success in that route. And so I, I like where you're going with that. Uh, one of the things that, that comes to mind with that, that process mm-hmm. that you just outlined, there is something to be said still for doing a decent, solid discovery, needs analysis, whoever's methodology it is, Asking questions, we'll just call it in the simplest, purest forms. In your book, you mentioned that we can learn that there's six types of questions that help unearth our buyer's deepest challenges. And is and I can see how we, if we unearth the deepest challenges, we can show progress. Can you elaborate a little bit on those types of questions that we can ask or what we should be bringing to the table? Sure. Um, let's let's start a little broader, right? Because one of the real problems with discovery these days, 
regardless of what sort of method you're following, mm -hmm. is that it tends to be compartmentalized. So I've got this five-stage sales process. Stage two is discovery. And you even see some teams, they, you know, they put a stage exit criteria, right? Or to move from discovery to the next stage, these things have to be met. What happens is when you take that approach is people think, oh, well, I do discovery now. And then I forget about it. And the point I make in the book is, no, <laughs> you discover up until the moment you sign the order, you're doing discovery. Because the buyer's not stopping learning, right? I mean, they're, if they're talking to other vendors, what's happening when they're talking to other vendors? They're continuing to educate themselves about their problems. You know, they're saying other salespeople are doing a better job providing insights and helping the buyer think, you know, rethink their paradigm about what it is they're trying to accomplish. So if you put discovery into that neat little box, yeah, it's a losing solution to somebody that's saying, look, no, the buyer is continually evolving during this, their buying process. I need to continue to understand where they are and make sure they're at the right stage of understanding about what we can do to help them throughout the process. So start there. The second part about discovery is, you know, discovery has undertaken us these days. It's more like a survey. Right? A lot of methodologies. I've got this list of questions I ask, and I'm going to ask them. They might be decent questions. But at the end of the day, the salesperson knows something about the buyer, but they don't understand anything about the buyer. It's, it's one thing to know something, but to understand the context about why it's important and how it relates to the most important things the buyer is trying to achieve, that takes further, further effort, further questioning. So, yeah, this is, we got this, <laughs> the basic problem with discovery is it stops too soon for most sellers and it's too pro forma because mm. your goal is not to know a certain set of facts about the buyer and whether they're a fit for your process, your product It's to understand what's really most important to the buyer. What's the, what's the thing that's really driving them? Because you find out almost every opportunity you work on a sales perspective there's always one thing that's more important than all the others. You need to find out what that is. Now, in the absence of a connection with the buyer that leads to a level of trust being built, you'll never find out. Because without that trust, they're not going to reveal that to you. So this is why the connection, this sort of the first of the pillars becomes so important because you earn that trust to earn the right to stick your nose into the buyer's business. Right, <laughs> really stick it in deep <laughs> and to get the answers that you need to come to that level of understanding what's most important to them. So in the book, as you said, I describe <clears throat> six question types that you can use in various combinations. But just an example of one is, <clears throat> for instance, I call it impact questions. Is I think impact questions are really powerful because they do is they, they force the buyer to stop and think about the impact of making a change, you know, some dimension of making change or some dimension of not making change and quantify it, right? Impact requires quantification as an answer. So Anthony, what would the impact be if you could do ABC, right? ABC, some, yeah. yeah. And, and then you, you have to think about what, what is the impact? What does that mean to me in terms of hours I'm going to save or days or dollars or whatever dimension it is I'm denominating that in? 
And then you, you ask it, I talk about books, you ask it sort of three levels. So you know, what's the impact on the organization? What's the impact on the team? What's the impact on you? Because you always have to, at the end of the day, you always have to reduce it to this person you're talking to. What's the impact on them of making this change? What's it going to mean in terms of their daily job or their performance or, or whatever they're responsible for? So this is just, that's an example as you get people to quantify. It. And as they quantify it, what happens? Well, they have to think. They have to think about what it'd be like to actually use your product and service, right? So they have to sort of start visualizing, do what I call take a mental test drive. Starts making it a little more real. Now, there's been research that's been done, gosh, long time, 40 years ago, <laughs> but still very relevant. That said that you know, people get ready to make a change, which buying something is making a change, right? Mm-hmm. Is everybody, as humans, we go through this process of doing, taking these mental test drives. We always try out the change mentally before we make a decision. So part of what you want to do with the questioning is you want to stimulate those mental test drives. Like that. I like the line of questioning where it's not just questioning. I, I find too many times questioning is, is self-serving. I have oh, a yeah. question. I want to know the answer. I'm going to do it. It's never questioning in a methodical process to, to help create the test drive, to help create that visualization of, hey, this might be the person that I need. Right. So think about it. So when someone makes a decision to buy your product or service, what are they buying? At that moment, what are they buying? A solution. Well, yeah, they're not buying the product. Yeah. They're buying a vision of what success looks like using that product or service. So the ultimate end goal of all your questioning and digging into their business and so on is to help create with the buyer, co-create with the buyer, this vision of what success looks like. That's our job as a seller. That's one of the ways how we influence the choices and trade-offs they make is by saying, working with them saying, this is what success is going to look like. That's what people buy. Mm. So as a seller, getting back to the pillars, if you can be the first seller to establish this trust-based connection, it means you'll be the first seller to be able to give you know, be given permission to really dig deep into the, the buyer's, you know, concerns and challenges. That means good chance to be the first buyer to understanding. If you're the first buyer to understanding, then you'll be the first buyer to be able to help the buyer create that vision of what success is. What I talk about in the book is, is the body of research done by a Nobel prize winning uh, economist and psychologist named Herbert Simon who came up with this, this concept he calls a satisficer, right? And he had created this, what he called the theory of bounded rationality. And he says, look, when people have to make a decision, they have, they have three constraints. They don't have unlimited time. They don't have unlimited access to information. They don't have unlimited understanding of the information they're getting. So what they do, we do as humans, is that in that situation, we do our research until we find something that satisfies our requirements and suffices to achieve the outcomes we desire. And when we do that, we make a decision. We stop. We make a decision. That's called the good enough decision. Mm. This is how this is our buyers act. In the main, this is how our buyers act to make the good enough decision. That satisfies They don't have an incentive to keep on looking for another month or two to make a, a different decision because 
they calculate and say, well, geez, the products are basically so similar. This one's good enough. Let's go to the next problem to solve. So if you are, so again, first to connection, first to curiosity, first to understanding, first to this vision of success, you're going to shorten the decision cycles because your customers are going to make the good enough decision. And this is, this is the point you want to get to. This is how you help the buyer. You don't think about it from the context of accelerating your sales. You think about the context. How do I help the buyer make a decision faster? And in my career, I experienced this phenomenon. I didn't know what it, I didn't have the words, right? I hadn't seen anything about Herbert Simon at that point or anything. It was just like, but when I finally would, gosh, it's, I don't know, 20 years ago, when I first stumbled across Simon. It was like, oh, it was like the light bulb. Because <laughs> intuitively, I was doing these things. I was trying to be the first to that vision of success. But then we have the sort of scientific grounding behind it. That and you say, oh, that makes so much sense. That's exactly what these buyers were doing. And you, there's been some research, Forrester did a study back you know, 10 years or so ago about this. They found that with IT buyers, B2B IT buyers, enterprise sales, if you were the first seller to get the buyer to that point of vision of success, you're going to win 65% of the time. Mm. Huge odds, right? Yeah. I mean, you take, you take 65% odds every day. Yep. So it's working to that point with the buyer for them to be able to say, oh, this works for us. This is good enough. Because, you know, the marginal gain I'm going to get on investing more of my time just doesn't exist. Let's do this. You know, we have a problem we need to solve. Let's do it now. Why wait three months while we still fiddle around looking at other solutions? Let's make it happen. Man, is your product, your service, are you that good enough person, Catapulting Commission's family? Andy Paul today, sell without selling out. I mean, my goodness, that if you did not rewind or pause or take notes on today's session, I, I, I can't help you any further than I am. Sell without selling out available right now. Uh, Andy, one, man, we're going to come. We are coming close to, to our time here. And I have so many more questions for you, but I will direct my audience to find you because my questions yes. are based on some of the things in books. How, do the, how does the Catapulted Commission's family find you, bud? Well, start by buying the book on Amazon, wherever you buy books. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, very active over there. We talk a lot about the themes from the book. Um, you can come join our community. Uh, if you go to andypaul.com, you can find, navigate your way to join the Sell Without Selling Out community. It's still very active. Uh, not just growing in activity, growing in size. Uh, we have a free chapter of the book you can download at andypaul.com. Uh, we have a little test. You can take a little quiz, a fun little quiz. Sort of see, okay, we're on the spectrum between selling out salesy and selling in MI. It's not scientific. It's just fun, but just give you a sort of sense of where you are. And um, yeah, listen to my podcast, uh, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul. Catapults Commission's family. We will have all those links in the show note. Do yourself a favor. Go get connected with Andy Paul. Get sell without selling out. If you are a student and you're and you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely a student of growth in the sales industry. I say this now. I've been doing this nearly 20 years. I'm still growing. Andy, I'm going to assume you're still growing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. Why do we do podcasts? 
Because we get to talk to we get to talk to really smart people <laughs> and we learn stuff. I mean, as I tell people, doing a podcast is the most selfish thing I've done in my business career. But wow, no better way to learn. I 100 percent agree. I love every every podcast guest. I'm like, this is like a free one-on-one coaching session. I'm just learning so much as we're going. So I appreciate that, Andy. Thank you for joining the Catapulted Commissions podcast. Hey, Catapulted Commissions family, there's one thing that I didn't pinpoint on sell without selling it, uh, sell without selling out. My apologies. Andy discusses in his book, the secret sales accelerator to enable your buyers to make faster decisions. If you like the talk track we had today and you want your buyers making faster decisions, go get Andy's book, shoot me a DM. Let me know your thoughts on it. Reach out to Andy. Let him know your thoughts on it. And most importantly, Catapult Commission's family, you know what to do, like subscribe, comment, and I'll see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.